Today is the eighth Sunday after Trinity Sunday, and the festival of St. James the Apostle. The gospel ring appointed for this festival day is taken from the twentieth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, beginning with the twentieth verse. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant these, that these two sons of mine may sit, one in your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink, to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but is for those for whom it is prepared by my father. When the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from Jesus Christ, his Son, our Savior. Amen. Several weeks ago, we heard the account of the beginning of the ministry of St. James, for we heard the words of St. Luke, from St. Luke, of the miraculous catch of fish. According to the word of the Lord, the nets were let down for a catch, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. This sign brought Peter to repentance, for thus we read, For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. For years, Peter, James, and John followed the Lord and lured from him. The Lord called James and John the sons of thunder. For when a village of the Samaritans would not receive Jesus, because he was on his way to Jerusalem, and the Samaritans rejected worship at Jerusalem, it was James and John who said to Jesus, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? But he turned and rebuked them and said, You do not know what manner of spirit you are of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. And they went to another village. James and John were full of zeal, and like Peter, their old fishing partner, sometimes they had a propensity to speak before they thought. Still, Peter, James, and John were the innermost circle of the holy apostles, and were with the Lord upon the Mount of Transfiguration. But the mother of James and John was still not content with the place which they had among the twelve. Thus we read, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on the left, in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You do not know what you ask. She was not the first parent, nor the last, to want great things for her children. And she was neither the first, nor the last, who didn't have the slightest clue regarding what that which she sought from the Lord. She recognized that Jesus is the Messiah, and that his kingdom was coming, and she wanted James and John to have power and authority when the Christ reigned. But Jesus answered and said, 
You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I am about to drink, and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup, and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But it sit, to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. We need to understand what Jesus meant with regard to the baptism to come. Certainly all the twelve had been baptized for the remission of sins. John chapter 4 verse 2 proclaims that Jesus did not baptize anyone, but that his disciples were baptizing more than John's disciples were. The baptism and the drinking of the cup refer to Christ's coming death, according to the will of the Father. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. St. Luke records, And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. When the betrayer led the soldiers to Jesus, we read, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my Father has given me? The cup was that he would carry the sins of the world and suffer death. James and John and their mother did not understand what they were asking for, for I believe they were asking, in essence, to be crucified upon Jesus' right and his left. We read, So he said to them, You will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. James and John would know suffering for the gospel. And it's not that their suffering added anything to that which Christ accomplished for us. But the place on Christ's right and left was for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. This is what Jesus tells us. Yes, they would suffer, but their time and place of suffering was not according to their choosing, but according to the will of the Father. James and John were with the Lord for years, and St. John, most Christians would remember, was the one among the apostles not to suffer martyrdom for the faith, though he did know suffering in exile. But John's brother James had the distinction of being the first from among the twelve to suffer martyrdom. Thus we read at the beginning of Acts chapter 12. Now about that time Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some from the church. Then he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the days of unleavened bread. Thus St. Luke records the fact of James's death. In the end it came down to this. A vicious king found that murdering an apostle was good for his standing in the polls, and he would have murdered Peter if the Lord had not sent an angel to deliver him. Thus St. James drank of the cup of suffering for the sake of the gospel, and was baptized with the same baptism as the Christ. St. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, what, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. 
St. Paul thus cites the words of Psalm 44, where we read, If we had forgotten the name of our God, or stretched out our hands to a foreign God, would not God search this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul teaches us that suffering such things does not separate us from the love of Christ. In fact, such things happen to Christians precisely because they are Christians. James and John did not know what they were asking for. Clearly, neither did the other disciples. For we read, And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. They were upset because they understood what James and John desired, and they, too, misunderstood what awaited them as apostles. To each the Lord has established his good and perfect will. As St. Paul wrote, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. But we want to judge all things according to our own standard of what is good for us and what is bad. Just like with James and John, we think we've got it all figured out, and we're wrong. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, and sword are a fairly comprehensive list of the things that we fear the most. We want comfort, ease, enough to eat, a home to call our own, reliable employment, the love of family, and the comfort of friends. Pursuing those things and neglecting the will of the Lord leads to a cup you do not want. In Psalm 11, David said concerning that which is allotted to the impenitent, Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. There are many who think that their lives abound with that which is truly worth having, no matter how they have to get it, when their lives are, in fact, empty and they are just simply heaping up judgment for themselves. It was allotted to St. James that his life would be poured out for the sake of the Christ. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Perhaps it's easier to think upon St. Paul and all of his missionary journeys than it is to think of St. James, seized by a wicked king and slain. But both men served the Lord in life and in death and served and suffered according to the good and gracious will of the Holy Trinity. There is no point to asking what more St. James might have done in service of the gospel if he had lived another ten or twenty years. His life and death were according to the measure which the Lord willed, and thus could be said of him those words which David declared in Psalm 16, O Lord, you are the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You maintain my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Yes, I have a good inheritance. As we serve Christ in our daily vocations, we often have much to repent of, for we are unprofitable servants. But the worthy one, Christ Jesus, poured out his life for our redemption, and in his death we are set free from the burden of our sins which stood against us. One of the greatest burdens confronting us is the sense of futility in our lives, that much of what we do feels pointless, that our lives feel either too short or too long, that we feel fulfilled in what we do day by day, or don't. 
that we try to encourage others in the faith may often seem to be in vain, and we that we engage in the sharing of the good news, and many could not care less. By the grace of God, St. James rendered service to the Lord as he had been called to serve. We are not the authors of our own lives, and not the ones who measure out our days, thanks be to God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. His purpose. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We have received all from him who conquered death, and having risen from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father. We come before the Lord in repentance from our sins, trusting in his mercy in Christ Jesus. Let the Gentiles lord it over one another. Let the world worry about making their own glorious path and working wonders to impress one another. We rejoice in the power made perfect in weakness. We rejoice in the example of that son of thunder, St. James, whom whose life might seem so brief to the world and largely unknown to the church, but whose life and ministry were perfectly according to the loving will of the one who called him. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angel nor principalities nor powers, nor things present nor things to come, nor height nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, who hast built thy church upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the head cornerstone, grant us so to be joined together in unity of spirit by their doctrine, that we may be made a holy temple acceptable unto thee. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee in the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. The people of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone invite you to join them today for the 10 a.m. worship service. Sunday school follows after the divine service, and we are currently studying St. Peter's first epistle. We also have a midweek service, a matins, on Wednesdays at 11 a.m., and we invite you to join us then as well. Salem is located approximately two miles north of Malone off of FM 308. These broadcasts are provided through the support of the members of Salem Lutheran Church of Malone.